What up, what up, what up, people? I hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. You know, talk to me. What's what's on your mind? What do you, what do you want to talk about today? Look, today we're going to do things just a little bit different. Today I'm going to give you guys, the listeners and those viewers, the chance to pick our topic today. What? No, you heard me. I'm going to give you guys the chance to pick our topic today. I'm going to give you guys a chance to say what you are going to talk about. So just so you know, you have tuned in to another exciting episode of Talk to Talk with Mo Or. Okay, so here's how it's going to work. I'm going to give you a few topics that could be very interesting and you will let me know which one you want to discuss. So the first is the, mo- uh, the molecular dynamics of phosphate and its effect on physical distances. Any takers? No, not a one. Okay, let's try something else. Here's the second. The second one is pollen and how it works down, uh, breaks down the atmosphere through hydrophonics using pastrami meat through molecules. No, you don't want to talk about that one either. All right, no takers on that one. Okay, the last option is Pursuing a dream, no matter what obstacles may get in your way, even if it may take you around the world and back to accomplish it. Now, before you make your decision about which one of these topics is most interesting to you, let me warn you that the decision you make may cost you. And by the words of a famous plumber, it may cost you a little, it may cost you a lot, but it's going to cost you. Okay, I was kind of giving a little shout out to my man, Martin Lawrence. I was watching uh, the episodes. They had a nice little uh, thing on all weekend. And that's one of my favorite episodes. So there you go. All right, listen to me, people. And, and, and listen to me good. There are so many people out there that is missing out on the opportunity of a lifetime. You know, you know who they are. So, so do me a favor. If you know someone that you want to let in on a little secret, then do me this solid. Tell them to go watch my show and listen to my damn podcast. (laughs) Come on, you knew I was going to do it. Look, we have a really exciting show lined up for you today with an awesome guest. But first, this podcast is brought to you by The Jerky Zone. When you're looking for that high-protein pack snack to get you back on track, the next stop is The Jerky Zone. And intro wheels where custom rims make your classic cars come to life. And lastly, Advantage Capital Management, where the plus in the logo signifies above and beyond commitment to adding value to investments by providing A-plus impact to the world we touch. You can also watch this podcast on our app, www.thsn.today. Download the app. All right, let's get to it. My guest today just celebrated her 30th birthday. You heard me. Her 30s, the birthday. She attended and graduated from Brea High School in Brea, California. Went on to Stanford where she played basketball for four years 
and then was drafted ninth overall in the first round of the WNBA draft by the Indiana Fever. Please welcome Jeanette Pollen Mavanga to talk the talk. Did I, did I get that name right, Jeanette? Did I say the last no, name correctly? No, you didn't, but it's okay. <laughs> Listen, I, I knew that I was going to destroy it, but I knew I had you here as a backup plan to be able to talk. Colin Mavunga. Tony, did you hear that? She says it like she said it more than once, Mo. You could tell that she's worked on it. She says it like she owns it. One more time. Jeanette. Hmm? Count your last name one more time. Colin Mavunga. Now we're Colin Mavunga. Mavunga. Yeah. Long use sound. I, I think I got that. I think that Hooked on Phonics worked for me back in the late 90s, just so you know. <laughs> also joining me, of course, is my thorn in the side, the CTO of the high school narrative, Tony Rosignal. What's going on, Tony? Oh, how are you? Really excited again about our guest today. Um, it's, uh, I watched her literally play. Uh, four years of high school, followed her through college and a fine NBA career. And it's funny, I hadn't seen her for a while. And <clears throat> she hooked up this morning um, in the conference call. And I looked at her and I said, Oh my God, she's all grown up. She's a woman now. So it's amazing <laughs> how many kids over the last uh, year, years grow into just models. It's really fun for us. Or, or women, I guess I shouldn't call it. Anything. Well, just so you know, people actually grow up, Tony. You can't just, they, they're not going to stay young forever, so it's okay. But she's young. I, she's, if she wants to tell you how old she is, then she can. But I'm not going to sit there and say it because I said that she's 30 of the birthday. So you understand what I'm talking about. No, keep it, yeah, I see you. Just keep it to yourself. But happy birthday. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. Thank you. So so what did, what did you do on your, on your birthday? Because you're kind of locked up right now. Yeah, I mean, I actually got I got very spoiled, which that's always that's always fun. My husband uh, cooked brunch for me, and we had a lot of Zoom calls, um, some fun surprises sent to the house, and then he barbecued in the evening because the weather was actually really nice. And in Indiana, we take advantage of those days. So I think I think you better. It's so funny because so my my son's birthday was on Saturday. His birthday is on the third. And uh, yes, a lot of Zoom birthday uh, birthday phone calls, and you know he wanted some wings. I was like, oh my god, how easy! He was like, yeah, yeah, but I don't want you to make them. I'm like, am I supposed to be offended? He said, no, no, the yours are really good, but I really want some from like a restaurant. So basically, he just wanted me to spend some money. So it's okay that I. I will that. say, I will say, it was nice because it's like. Everybody knew it was my birthday. Everybody, no one's doing anything. No one's going anywhere. And you know, I'm on social media, and people are wish me happy birthday and everything. And I'm reposting. So actually, I got a lot of love on on Saturday. It was it was a lot of fun. To yeah, hear I, I actually think that these quarantine birthdays are probably the best ones because people can't get lost in their day to day, right? Exactly. <laughs> you better pay some attention to me. You better know yeah. that I'm here. Hello. So, yeah. So, hey, I, I, if I if I have the story correctly, you and your husband just recently got back from Japan, right? Yeah. So my husband, he just finished his fifth year in Japan playing professionally there. His, gosh, I think eighth overall uh, overseas season. But yeah, we've been in Japan the last five seasons in Kyoto specifically, um, the last three years. And 
I mean, we were kind of just waiting, once all this happened, we were kind of just waiting to see what was going on with the league, if they were going to cancel, postpone. Um, they postponed for a while and then finally ended up canceling. So from there, we kind of had like a two week period where we had to stay and then we came home. So uh, yeah, last the last like two, two and a half weeks, we've been home in Indiana. So did they, so they made you stay? So it was like, uh, it was in his contract. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, but because a lot of people here, you know, obviously when you're so far from home dealing with this and it's a worldwide, you know, issue, crisis, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's like, everybody's so worried about us and that we're so far, but honestly, we felt pretty safe there. Um, for the most part, Japan is a very, uh, I would say clean culture anyways. They, they, they've been wearing masks like years ago. I was going to say the same thing. Oh, so yes, it's funny. We've had people visit and friends visit and they're like, why is everybody always wearing masks? I'm like, they don't want to get sick. They don't want to get people sick. So it's either one or the other. Um, and it's like, this was nothing new to them having to wear a mask. So I, I, it's funny just kind of seeing people's comments and stuff about wearing masks. And I'm like, well, the Japanese people have been doing it for years. For a long so time. That was nothing new. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, we felt, we felt okay to stay there. We didn't, we weren't feeling like we were in danger and um, needed to come back. If anything, we kind of thought things were a little bit crazy here. Um, and we were Everybody's like, saying that. Yeah, we just, I mean, we were watching things, obviously talking to friends and family, and we felt at the time it was just, it was okay to stay there till we absolutely had to come back. Yeah, I have a friend that's in Australia, and he sent me a text message, and he's like, I don't know what's going on in the United States, but it seems like the world is about to end over there when it's not that bad over here. I'm like, I would agree. I would yeah, agree. It's it, was, crazy. it was crazy. Yeah. So, so you came back and then you you guys self isolated and self quarantined, and yeah. uh, and then how was that for you guys? Um, very similar to what we were doing in Japan, <laughs> um, <laughs> because obviously, like when we're over there, we're not around friends and family, and it, it is just the two of us. Uh, he has his teammates, of course, but uh, yeah, it really wasn't too much different, just a change in environment. Uh, it's funny because every time we come back from overseas, we're always so excited to go to certain restaurants and see our friends and family. and. I mean, when you're gone that long, that's really, those are things you look forward to. And that was not the case. I mean, we, we didn't even let anybody pick us up from the airport. We rented a car and, you know, we, we just were trying to be as cautious and responsible as possible. Just knowing that you could have it and not show any symptoms and things like that. We just didn't even want to put anybody in danger. So yeah, but enjoying our house, which is nice. We don't get to live here very often. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and so and it's also funny because now that you self isolated, you get to get done with self isolation, and it's the same as being in self isolation. <laughs> yep, basically, I had to go get food, and that was the only difference <laughs> that I got in the car and went to a store to get some food. But yeah, everything else is still the same. So for the viewers and listeners out there, where where are you staying at right now? I am currently in Indianapolis. This is uh, Indianapolis. We yeah. Oh, nice, nice. So going back to Japan, so for you guys, is there a language? It's a language barrier. I mean, I've been to, I've been to Okinawa, you know, when I was in the Marine Corps. Oh, and nice. It's very different. Yeah. And uh, 
how did how did you guys adapt to that? It's um well first of all, Okinawa is awesome. So you got like it's like Hawaii there for them. I mean it's, <laughs> it's so nice. I went there actually for the first time because they have a basketball team there. I don't know if you went to any games ever. I don't know when that was. I did not. Okay, so they have a team there and um yeah, I mean it's beautiful there. But the honestly the weird thing was I actually took. Uh, Japanese in high school at Brea for yeah. four years and then I took a year at Stanford so this was before I even knew my husband my now husband and you know when he first got offered to go play there I was like really excited because I've been dying to go there obviously to use the Japanese that's where right I can't really use it anywhere in Southern California but I did it. I took it because my older brothers took it because they're my cousins took it. And anyways, yeah, really random, but it's come in handy a lot. Um, the language barrier is definitely the toughest part, I would say there. So um, you, so you said you met your husband, and I think I read this story that you, you met him on a basketball court or yes. something like that. Yeah, probably, we met. probably a unique. Um, um, love story. Did you say hi to him in, in Japanese? No, no. We we uh, let's see. He wasn't even playing in Japan yet at that time. So he was he was in. We were in Indiana, and he was he was working out with uh, Tamika Catchings, my teammate at the time, and she she always liked to prepare for training camp by training against guys and like big guys and just go against, you know, guys that were bigger and quicker and all that. So she had him come in and I was working out on the other side of the court and he saw me and ended up asking the, our trainer kind of like who I was and put a good word in for me, that type of thing. And so, yeah, he reached out and we've been obviously together since. <laughs> you should have looked at him and said, Listen, we're gonna play a game of horse. If you beat me, I'll date you. If you can't you like love the basketball, like I'll play you one on one for my heart. That's I'll, I'll play you one on one. It's funny because I've always said that women <laughs> basketball players are typically better shooters than men basketball players, and it's because they work fundamentally more on shooting because they're not trying to dunk basketballs. My, I have my son sitting in the other room right now, probably playing Fortnite, and um, he's a good shooter, but he's not better than the girl shooter that's at the same school because. That's what she does. Right? There we go. Yep. So, yeah. Okay. So um, that's all I know, I, and I don't know if that's your welcome, hey. thank you, hello. I don't know what it. Is. Yeah, you got thank you down. Boom. There you go, Tony. <laughs> you, you can be excited for me. Um, so, kind of, kind of talk to me about your 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 high school experience. You say you went to Brea High School. I mean, we we had uh, your old coach, um, Mr. Jeff Sink, on the show um, last week. And uh, he spoke very highly of you. So I was really eager to get you on to the show. go to the basket that well she is so competitive and but she's coachable um, she's a dream come true you know a six-foot guard that plays as a warrior wants to get better 
um, will score 25 and then talk about a teammate. Um, has seems to have no ego other than if I need to score and take over the game, I'm doing that for my teammates. You know, I hope she never changes. So if you could talk to me about the the athletic side of it and then the other side, just the high school experience in general. Yeah, I mean, um, Brea obviously, you know, notoriously has had great, great girls programs in the past. Um, we, my four years, we won two CIF championships and made it to the finals the other two years uh, that I was there. And then we also made it to the state finals my senior year. Um, and, you know, I always felt lucky that I had great teammates around me, honestly, and uh, that could challenge me in practice every day. And we, we always had really great chemistry on the court, off the court. And I think Coach Sink was a huge part of that. I mean, he just kind of instilled this toughness in us um, that maybe, you know, some people might take the wrong way, especially you know how not every I always say like not everyone's for everyone and that obviously goes with coaches as well um some some kids can't take yelling some kids can't take certain things being said to them so um for me personally I loved it <laughs> I loved the intensity I loved the toughness I loved that he held us accountable um and made us run if you know we were messing around we weren't taking things seriously because you know, at the end of the day, you want your practices to be harder than the games because when you get in the game and you're all of a sudden you got these these players, the other the opponents just on top of you, putting pressure on you and just, you know, taking you out of your game and you haven't been prepared for that, you're going to lose. Um, and so I always appreciated that Coach Sink held everyone accountable no matter what what position you played, no matter how much playing time you got. That was one thing that was really cool. It was like everybody knew their role and did it really well. And I do think that was like such a main reason why we were so successful. Um, everyone kind of just had a great attitude and was really supportive of each other. So as far as the athletic side, I can definitely say, you know, I had a great, a great career, but I couldn't have done it without, you know, Coach Sink, Coach Steele, who was the assistant coach my four years there. He was a huge part of our defense. And, um, you know, every everybody from the coaches to the trainers, really, it was it was a team team deal. And um, I, I honestly credit a lot, a lot of my success to them. Uh, on the academic side, academics has always been the first priority uh, growing up in my family. And I have two older brothers and my parents were very strict about, you know, getting good grades from, from the beginning, from, you know, second, third, fourth grade, they were always really like, you know, give it your all, no matter what you're doing, no matter, you know, if it's a science project, if it's a final, a test, doesn't matter. Um, 
academics always came first and we weren't allowed to play sports unless we had good grades and had finished all of our homework. We weren't allowed to go to friends' houses on the weekend and we weren't allowed to go to the movies if we had, you know, studying to do, whatever. But I mean, it, to me, it's like looking back, I, I kind of hated it, but <laughs> I mean, at the same time, it got me to where I am today and it got me a Stanford scholarship. It got me, you know, four years paid for at Stanford University. And it's like, if I had slacked off, if I had didn't have parents who, you know, kind of put that at the forefront before sports, before any extracurriculars, I guarantee I, I wouldn't have been, you know, where I am today by far. So. So talk about, you said that even when you, and you talked about Stanford, which is, is great. And I know that we were talking off air before the show started about, um, being accepted there or being offered a scholarship and how academics had to play a really, really important role. Can you kind of talk about that whole uh, process of um, being offered, but the grades had to be there first? Yeah. Um, so, you know, these days I think a lot of, and this is kind of just from what I hear, but I don't have kids or anything, but from what I hear, a lot of parents are so worried about getting their kids onto, you know, club teams immediately, like in second grade, third grade, and to each their own. Um, I was, I always liked to play multiple sports. I grew up, I mean, I was, soccer was my other favorite sport. I kind of had to pick between basketball and soccer, but, um, you know, it, it was, everything's like in, people, parents want them to focus on one sport and just be kind of like all in, have them play five games a day and, you know, put in all this money and all this stuff. But I mean, you've got to let kids be kids too at the end of the day. <laughs> so, um, you know, grades and everything, I didn't start playing club ball until maybe like, it was probably like seventh or eighth grade, kind of going into high school. Um, but I got on a team Cal Swish Black was, I, I don't I don't know if the name's changed, but um, I was on a club team my sophomore year and Stanford, one of their coaches saw me at uh, a tournament and reached out, started sending me some letters and everything. And once I could actually talk to them, you know, they the first thing they asked was, how are your grades? How are your grades? Because literally if, if my grades weren't good, then they probably wouldn't have talked to me anymore. <laughs> right, right. So um, that right away told me how serious grades and academics were. I mean, she literally said, there's nothing we can do if you don't have good grades. So um, in my mind, I'm like, all right, well, I was already focused and now I'm really gonna stay focused on this if I'm, if I'm trying to get to Stanford. So, and they're a very unique school, the coaches, and the athletics program have nothing to do with getting the athletes into Stanford. So I had to go through the whole application process. I had to first get accepted before they could even offer a scholarship. And I, I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, or I haven't looked in a while, but I'm pretty sure Stanford and Duke are the only two schools that are like that. Because, you know, in their mind, they want their athletes to be able to handle the workload to be able I mean because realistically you're in classes with kids that just got into Stanford because they're really right. smart <laughs> right. so, and you look at the acceptance rate and it's 
it's pretty astounding. I don't even know what it is anymore, but I know it continues to get more difficult each year. Um, so it, it definitely was a little bit stressful for me personally, because I was just, I wanted to go there so bad once, once they started recruiting me that, you know, it was like, if I didn't get in, I 100% wasn't going there. <laughs> so did you, did you have some backup plans? Because I, yeah, Stanford has been a powerhouse for a long time. Stanford and, and the Baylors and the South Carolinas and the Yukons. Um, yeah. Did you, did you play schools against each other? Did you have one that you, you said you really wanted to go to Stanford. What were some other options for you? Um, I was definitely interested in some Pac-10 schools. It was Pac-10 at the time, Colorado and I think it was Utah were not in the Pac-12 yet. So it was Pac-10 yeah. um, and I was lucky enough to be recruited by most of the schools and it wasn't even that I was like worried to go up to the East Coast or whatnot. It was just a sense of like just wanting to be on the West Coast personally. Um, and uh, I would say the other two schools that I was seriously considering were Arizona State and USC. There you go. Oh my goodness. It took so long for her to get there. Guys, did you hear her? Did you hear what she said? I've been waiting for that for a long time. Thank you so much. This is the best best guest that I've ever had on this show, Tony. You know that, right? You know that, Tony. <laughs> no. Those were probably those are probably my top my other top two. If I had to pick, <laughs> we did a swimmer who's an Olympic who's an Olympic level swimmer. Just finished up at Cal. Anyway, she did not go to SC. <laughs> Mo was Mo was beside herself. So the fact that you even considered going to SC, Mo will have a great week. Actually, May a great month. Oh. You can think uh, Mark Track and Jody and Derek Anton Smith, or gosh, what I'm totally blanking on. Jody Anton was her maiden name at Brea, but Mark Track coached at Brea. So her and her husband were there coaching at the time, assisting Mark Track. And so it was like this big, like, Brea reunion that could have happened and, you know, all this stuff. But I I did. They had just, um, (laughs) actually, when I went to visit, they were, um, just finishing up the Galen Center, I believe. So they were showing me that. And I mean, you know, obviously USC's got a lot of history there too with women's basketball and being that close to home wouldn't have been the worst thing. Um, but I just, I right. did, there was something about Stanford. It's, it, it was the best decision I ever made, 100%. Well, and I would, I would probably close to agree, I, I, didn't, I didn't say I'm agree, but I. Close. By the end of this, I'm gonna have you completely agree. <laughs> you know, you know. Well, because I think it gave you a, a a great experience. You know, with all the things that you've done, being drafted by WNBA, you know, WNBA champion. I mean, you get drafted first round, then the next year you win a, a championship. You probably thought at that time, oh, this is easy. I don't really <laughs> understand why people make such a big deal. You know, right. <laughs> and of course, NCAA All-American and of course, won the gold medal for the USA basketball. And I mean, that's a that's a lot. I, I heard you was. Did you ever play overseas in Turkey? I did. I, did. I heard you were probably the number one player in Turkey. Just so you know. No, I'm, I'll, I'm not going to say that. Well, you don't have to say it, but I get to say it. I'm just I'm no. just saying no. It can be subjective, but arguably, from what I heard, is that you were one of the best top players in, in Turkey. So, you know, 
I, I commend you. And I probably would have went over your whole list at the beginning of the show, but then I would have probably went straight to break. Uh, after <laughs> that show. We, we didn't want to do that. But um, so then when did you actually know as a player that I'm good enough to play in the WNBA? Funny you ask that. My husband asked me that like a week ago. Oh, I don't know how it got brought up. I think because he, so he does a podcast uh, too. He just started it um, and he had Gordon Hayward on it and who's one of his like best friends. And basically to go along the lines of what you're asking though, he was like asking, or Gordon had mentioned, you know, his whole career, he never thought he was good enough. Like never, you know, always was was never satisfied was always trying to get better like never felt like he was good enough to be in the league all these things and I like kind of related to that because I think especially at Stanford it was such a post-dominant team every year with with except I would say except my freshman year we had Candace Wiggins and she was a guard but other than that, we always had All-American guards. I mean, Neko Gumake, I, play, I played three years with her. Jane Appel, I mean, Chinea Gumake, I played one year with her. So they were all very dominant posts, rightly so. You want to get them the ball. Um, so for me, I was the point guard. I was trying to kind of like make sure everybody was in the right spot, getting the ball where they needed. I'd hit my shot when I was open. Nothing, you know, nothing crazy. <laughs> I just kind of played my role and um, tried to run the team, but it really wasn't until I would say my senior year when I, I, I had a good junior year. My senior year, I did feel like I kind of just made a little bit of a jump to, oh, hey, you know, I could maybe make a career out of this. I could, you know, I might be good enough. And even then I still didn't know. I remember draft night, I'm like, I'm here at I'm here at ESPN studio right now like and I still don't know if I'm gonna get <laughs> like that is that is how my brain works I'm just like okay they invite you know they only invited like 15 of us like am I gonna get drafted like this is gonna be embarrassing if I'm sitting here in the studio with everyone else you know on April 6th 2011 Jeanette Pullen was on top of the world one week after leading the Stanford Cardinal to its fourth straight Final Four, another dream was fulfilled. WNBA first-round draft pick, ninth overall to Indiana. Just surreal. I think you look at all the time and effort and minutes, hours that you put into the game and it just kind of all comes together on that day. It's like, this is my opportunity, this is my chance, this is what I've been dreaming about, like you said, since I've been young. So, um, and then getting to share that with like my family and friends uh, was just, I mean, it was an amazing We're our own worst critics, um, right. you know? So it's like, that. but that just was how I kind of, my mindset, I always was trying to get in the gym, get better. I remember, remember after my freshman year at Stanford, Tara Vanderveer, my coach, she was like, listen, we really need you to be a shooter. Like, we need you to knock down shots. And I can remember just getting in the gym, getting on the gun at, you know, 10, 30, 11 at night, just going in, getting shots up. And that was like almost every night. And then I, I did, I became a shooter and then kind of transferred into my professional career. And that was what I was known for. But I remember my, my senior year at Brea, they asked me if, um, when I got selected to be a McDonald's All-American, they asked me if I wanted to do the three-point contest. And I was like, 
I, could, I couldn't even remember how many threes I took, maybe like 10 my whole career. Like I just wasn't a three point shooter. I was, you know, I was playing point guard. I was setting screens, I was rebounding. Like three pointers were not what was on my mind at all throughout my high school career. Yeah. So it was kind of funny, I, I did it and I did okay. But, you know, looking back on it now, I'm like, if I was an actual shooter, I probably could have won. So you said if you were an actual shooter, only rookie ever to lead the WA in three point shooting percentage with 47% in 2011. Do you remember that stat? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Uh, you, sparked oh, the, uh, you sparked the playoff run because you know, I, I watched the WNBA and I know that you played in 2012 and shot five for five, made four three. Like, hello, I mean, that helped clinch the Eastern Conference Finals, didn't it? Yeah, it was. It was kind of a, a not even right place, right time, because it was an unfortunate situation, but that it was an opportunity that I stepped into our starting two guard, who probably one of the best shooters I've ever seen, Katie Douglas. She goes down with an ankle injury, done, done, like completely done for the season. And I step in, you know, I come in just not even thinking about I guess what was going on really. I just was like, you know, I don't want to mess up. I want to hit my shots. Like, and I just came in, hit, hit my shots and it, it did, it helped boost and kind of give other people on the court the opportunity to score as well. Because, you know, when you're making threes, you they got to guard you out there. That opens the lane, that opens doors for other players to kind of step in and be successful too. So if you have players out there that can spread the floor and even if you're not shooting the ball, they have to guard you out there. It just kind of opens right. the floor for everyone else. So, yeah. Yeah, well, you, and, and of course, you know, look, she has to say, right, she can't say right time, right place. You know, look, WNBA is a business. When you can play, because how many players are in the WNBA? And at, at the most, many, at the most, 144. 144. How at many the girls? Most. At the most, yeah. how many girls right now are striving to be a part of that 144? Uh, I, I, more than I probably know. So, so I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna help your younger you. <laughs> I'm gonna help the younger Jeanette. You're at ESPN Studios. Guess what? You're gonna get drafted. They're not gonna invite you there if they don't feel that you are not supposed to be there. So, that's to your younger self. Appreciate it. I wish you would have been there that, you know, during that time, like in oh, the end, it's house. really quick. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? So what could you say to your younger self right now? Looking back on high school career and, and all that, if there was something that you could say to your younger self, what would it be? That I would say have that confidence in that work that you put in. Because in my mind, I think, um, which I think it, it it's again, why I feel like I was as, as successful as I was, but um, knowing that the work you put in can help you be successful. And the more, the more you put in, to be confident in that work you put in. Because um, I think sometimes you overthink things and think it's not enough. Um, which can be a good thing and a bad thing. Um, but at the end of the day, I think I put in enough work to be successful. It's just kind of taking that time, going the extra mile, doing the little things um, and having that confidence in yourself 
to know that you are good enough. Yeah, because you think that, you know, everybody that wants to, that's playing a sport, and, you know, there are some kids who are out there who are very determined and they're really working hard. But I always say that there's somebody out working harder than you. So what are you going to do to continue to motivate yourself to be that person? Right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming that you're watching The Last Dance. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, my son was talking about it today, right? Because, you know, everybody, LeBron, Kobe, you know, and if you heard one, the most powerful statement yesterday out of the number five was Kobe Bryant saying, I wouldn't have five championships if it wasn't for mm. that guy. You know mm. what I mean? And, and people talked about Michael Jordan was the alpha male of alpha males. No matter what you what he was trying to do, whether it was pitching quarters against the wall, I, he wanted to beat you at it, right? It's hilarious, <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's so true. Yeah, he he just moved differently. He did, and I mean, obviously he's still around, so he does. But when you're looking at the documentary, you're just like looking at his career, and you're like, wow. I mean, just his mindset, his you know the way he the way he was with people, the way he was with his teammates and everything, and. Um, yeah, we were saying, my husband and I were talking about that. He did. He paved the way for the Kobe Bryant's, the LeBron's. I mean, you talk about, you look at all the Nike and the Jordan, his brand, his Jordan brand, and you look at it today and it's like, not much has changed. If anything, it other than it getting bigger, you know, like, and right. it's crazy. You talk about, he's got, he's the, got his own shoe and you look at LeBron now, he's got his own shoe. All these players have their own shoes and I mean, he really did. He paved the way for everything. Yeah, I was, I was telling my son today that, uh, you know, his, his younger brother, we were playing NBA 2K, whatever year it was, and I picked the Bulls because of Michael Jordan. And uh, he said to me, who, are, who is this team? Who is that guy? Who is, that? is that the same guy that got the shoes? It's, he was just <laughs> thinking about the shoes. <laughs> So after I score 50 or 60 on the game with just Michael Jordan, I think he figured out yeah. <laughs> that he's probably one of the best players ever. So yeah. Jeanette, we're gonna we're gonna take a really, really quick break. Uh we'll come back. We'll talk about a couple injuries that you had. I wanna kinda ask you about um, you know, new college players coming into the WNBA and what your thought is on it. So listen, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back in just a moment. More with Jeanette on Talk the Talk with more. When I grow up, I want to be a ballerina. I want to be a doctor. When I grow up, I want to be a chef. When I grow up, I want to be a surgeon or a basketball player. I want to be a doctor when I grow up. I want to become a basketball player. Our commitment to delivering lifestyles within reach is based on a holistic view of investing. We do not invest simply in brick and mortar, but we invest in the people in our communities and we support their dreams and aspirations. One of the great things about the North Point basketball program is it provides uh, our kids an opportunity to explore their hopes and dreams. I think the greatest thing about the program is that we are developing life skills for them, um, discipline, structure, uh, respect, 
hard work, friendships, fun. I think in their schools, in their uh, junior highs, in their high schools, and on into college, these are all things that sports is a vehicle to teach them life skills and, and to mentor them into being um, successful people, not only in sports, but in life. Success and stability starts in the home. Avanath provides housing to very hardworking, good people who are pursuing their American dream, and we are incubating that American dream. What we are doing is trying to support those families and help provide activities and mentorship for their children. We're part of their extended family, and it's our dream to help them reach their dreams. That is indeed what Lifestyle Within Reach is all about. What up? Well, welcome back, folks. I'm glad you decided to uh, stick around for the second segment. I'm still here with you. That she hasn't gone anywhere. Um, she's been in quarantine. What else is she gonna do? So she had to come and spend some time with Mo on Talk to Talk. Uh, Jeanette, thank you for sticking around. Appreciate it. All right. So, um, you know, we, we kind of talked about some things, uh, some college stuff and some WNBA stuff. And uh, I kind of wanted to talk to you about, um, I think I want to say in your in your second year, you, you got an injury. Um, I know you got a, had a knee injury and then you had an Achilles injury. Um, kind of talk to us about, um, number one, how it happened and then uh, the recovery. Yeah, so that was my, it was actually the year we won the championship in, in game two of the finals uh, is when I tore my ACL. And again, kind of coming in, trying to, trying to fill that role of Katie Douglas being hurt and losing some of our shooting came down. I don't think I was in there longer than maybe 30 minutes. We were in Minnesota. We had won game one. So we were up 1-0 in the series. We were winning the game, the second game, uh, when it happened, but came in, came down, hit a three in the corner. I'm running back on defense and trying to get in front of Maya Moore, who was my my assignment that, that game. And Woo. do you know Maya Moore? She's pretty good. She's pretty good. Yeah, she's, uh, <laughs> she's all right. <laughs> so that was that was my assignment, and I mean, you know, I'm coming back from I'm trying to get back, get my butt back on defense after hitting a three because they're a quick pace team and trying to run it back. But I tried, basically went went to get in front of her, and she made a move, and um, I definitely didn't get in front of her in time, and I I my knee kind of buckled um and i don't even know how to describe it because at the time it didn't really feel it didn't feel like i tore my acl and i remember going down and trying to get back up and it being a little unstable but i could still kind of walk on it and you know our doctor our team doctor was there our trainer was there they brought us they brought me back uh into the locker room they did the little test um, kind of initial test before obviously like an MRI and uh, I mean he said I think it's I think it's the ACL and I just I kind of like I think I was in shock at, at the time and then 
Um, we, we went on, we ended up losing that game, unfortunately, but we had, we came back to Indiana after that and, uh, got the MRI pretty quick and came back positive with, it was a full ACL and then, uh, meniscus tear. So it wasn't fully torn, but slightly torn. So the recovery time. So gosh, that, so that was in October, um, I ended up coming back like midway through the next season. Um, so I, let me do the math real quick. Uh, Stanford, it was, Stanford education. Yeah, you know, it was about, <laughs> honestly, to come back to play, it was like nine months. But realistically, I probably, because the, the thing of it was, they had me come back like right after All-Star break because it was the halfway point. I had already been playing in practice and, you know, they just kind of were like, well, you're ready, but we'll just wait till after All-Star break. And, um, but it was the first time I'd ever been, it had a serious injury. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, crazy, crazy time. My dad passed away in December of 2012. So it was like the timeline of it was we won the championship uh, or I got, I tore my ACL, we won the championship. And then like two months later, my dad passed away. And it was just, it was a rough time because, you know, as an athlete, anytime you're going through a rough situation outside of sports, you use sports as an outlet, as something to kind of get your mind off things, whatever. And I didn't have that. So it was like, not only was I going through my first serious injury, but I was losing, you know, my dad, who we had that bond of basketball. He coached me. He had a great basketball mind. And he was one of those guys that just, he, he understood basketball. He understood, you know, just where things, he, he saw things that a lot of people didn't see. And so it was always fun talking to him after games and um, kind of picking his brain on things. So um yeah it was it was definitely a rough little uh i guess time during then but you know well, it's crazy because I, I was just about to say that for you especially as an athlete um it's so hard for an athlete you said that that was your first major injury you know mentally what are you going through and then you said and then your father passed away and then i'm like oh my god athletes typically use sports as their outlet and and now yeah. you didn't have that like, I mean, you had to have a, a, a huge support system um, yeah. and help get you through that as you went through that uh, recovery and and the recovery from your uh, father passing away right yeah and um, it's interesting I so before I had torn my ACL, I was actually signed to play back in Turkey uh, for a Euro Cup team. So I was really excited and I was really um, looking forward to that opportunity of getting seen by, you know, other Euro Cup teams and just kind of making a name for myself overseas. Um, and then, of course, ACL happens and uh, I'm no longer able to. So then my mindset changes quickly. I'm like, okay. I have this whole off season now. Uh, what can I do? Obvi- you know, obviously I'm going to be rehabbing and getting back to play. Like I, there's no question about that. But I'm like, what can I do to, um, I guess, advance outside of basketball? So I reached out to Tara, my coach at Stanford, and I'm like, hey, you know, what do you think about? At that time, they were about to start 
um, the Pac-12 network in San Francisco. I reached out to her, I'm like, you know, what do you think about possibly interning there? Like, would you think they would be okay, if, you know, if I reached out? And she was like, yeah, you know, that would be a cool idea. So at the time I was trying to figure out the logistics of that situation of, you know, trying to, cause I was like, I, I could rehab at Stanford. I could go to San Francisco and do my internship, get some experience because that's another thing as an athlete, right? you never have time to get a job. You don't have time to get, right. yeah, I, got this, I got this interview next weekend over at Target. <laughs> yeah, I mean, realistically, like, I'm like, when am I ever going to have a chance to get some experience in the corporate world or outside of basketball? So I had, a, like, I just felt like it would be a good fit for me. Um, location wise, it was good. And so it was like, you know, all that was Get coming into place and then my dad passed away and of course everything shifted it was like that's that's not happening anymore you know I'm gonna be there for my mom my brothers thank goodness they're around I've told the brothers they're them and their wives and they were close by thank goodness but um yeah you know I'm I feel very blessed and lucky to have the support system that we have um, gotten us through a lot of tough times. My mom, she's been through breast cancer and most recently lung cancer. And I mean, we, yeah, our family's been through a lot and I just, I don't think we could have gone through it without having those people around us to just be there, support us, whatever we needed. Um, but yeah, so I ended up, I ended up staying in California to rehab my ACL, which was, uh, in Southern California, I should say. Um, and kind of just went back and forth um, for my doctor's appointments in Indianapolis, um, a couple of things here and there, but I ended up, yeah, rehabbing in California. Man, so did you ever think, because now you're not uh, playing any longer, um, you ever think about uh, officiating or uh, becoming a broadcaster? <laughs> you like officiating. Uh, yeah, I was no. going to say, oh, officiating. Um, <laughs> although I do think I could do a decent job. I'm going to, I'll say that. Um, hey, some of the best ones are former players. Leon Wood, Kevin Cutler. It's some, I know Leon. I know Leon. I played with his daughter, Whitney. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, Whitney was, uh, she was nice too. Yeah. So we, yeah, we were on the same club team. But, um, so yeah, I think I've I've thought about, definitely thought about broadcasting. I've thought about coaching. Um, broadcasting was, I mean, that was why I wanted to intern with the Pac-12 Networks to just kind of like see everything that goes into it, maybe get some tips, experience, whatever I could absorb, basically. Like, that's one thing for me. If there's something I don't know anything about, I want to be immersed in it. I want to absorb. I want to ask questions because, like, nobody knows everything. And... If you think you do, then you're already losing from the beginning. So, I mean, for me, I knew I had a lot to learn. I knew that as a broadcaster, you have to practice. Like, you have to actually do it. Um, so I've done, I've actually done a couple fever games, just kind of sat in and kind of gave my life little here and there tidbits. But um, I'm definitely interested in getting into that more if, if the opportunity presents itself and so I, I think there's an opportunity they have they need a color analyst Tony you know where I'm going you ready um at USC I, might know, I was gonna say I might know where you're going <laughs> <laughs> 
I feel, I was like, I could already tell. You know, I would make a couple calls. I could make a few calls, you know. <laughs> a couple calls for you, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, <laughs> oh, shoot. That's funny. Uh, 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 can, you, can you kind of talk about your, your, your inner strength? Um, because not only physically does that kind of do a job on you, but then mentally, you know, and uh, a lot of our um, viewers and listeners, you know, high school students or um, athletes who might be going through the same thing or it could be, you know, it could happen to them later on in their career. Um, yep. So kind of talk about your, your mental uh, and your inner strength um, for something like that, going through that. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say that was huge for me that I know not a lot of people have available to them was we had a sports psychologist um, with our team and you know I reached out to him he was he's was always available to us if we ever wanted to meet with him and um, he worked with basically a a sports performance center that worked with our team and everything and um, I reached out to him and I was like listen I'd love to meet and just talk um, and I, I think it helped a lot because um, I don't know it's it's tough obviously I had my friends my family there um, but sometimes having a professional honestly it was it was super helpful and I by I by no means no I'm not I can't I couldn't have done it by myself I couldn't have held all of it in I couldn't have just like not said anything, tried to just go about like everything was fine. For me personally, that's just that, I knew that wouldn't work. So reaching out to him, meeting with him every other week or so, just to kind of touch base, see how I'm doing, that sort of thing. Um, it helped a lot, it did. And again, that goes along with just having that support system. Uh, my mom would come visit me the na that next season and um, I had friends that would come visit me. So. But yeah, it does, I do think it takes, it takes a certain mentality. Like you said, like an inner strength. I also think that that was kind of instilled with me from the beginning of just my work ethic, um, that like, it's not, nothing is ever gonna come easy. Like there's always gonna be those rough roads. There's always gonna be those detours. There's always gonna be times where it's not going to be rainbows, butterflies, and yeah. you're going to have to go through a lot of adversity. And I mean, I went through another major injury, of course, like, and that had, I mean, that completely blindsided me. It really did. So. That's crazy. And I think one of the most important things that you said uh, in that is that you reached out because yes, we could have friends and, you know, family and stuff like that, that is, uh, that could be there to help and support, but then you also made a decision to reach out. And, you know, we want to let, you know, those viewers and those those kids know that sometimes, you know, you have to reach out and, and, uh, and make a stance for yourself to uh, actually get some help. And I know that people have this negative uh, thought about the word therapist and stuff like that. And I think that they get a bad rap, but I think they're, they help a lot. Absolutely. Um, that's why I, a lot of, I just want to say that's why a lot of professional teams have them available. So they're play, I mean, they know that they're that important. And I mean, every NBA team has one. Every WNBA team has one available. Like it's just, it's just as important as your trainer in the weight room. Right. 
it really is your mental and your physical i mean it both shouldn't be hand. yeah it shouldn't be one or the other it should be both and you should in my opinion you should take both as serious as the other i think i'm glad you said that and in my opinion i agree with that just, <laughs> so, you, just so you know um so some people call me crazy at times and yes you know i got you stanford and i had another alumni that came onto the show i heard i heard go card yeah yeah i don't know what's going on and you know we had our we had our little scuffle you know on the air about you know usc and stanford so um what's your thoughts because i know he did come back and he um he went and helped on the, the women's side you know in practices and stuff like that um so what, what do you what do you think about Casey? Oh, I mean, he's obviously left his legacy at Stanford. Um, I mean, you look at the teams he was on and how well they did throughout his career. But I mean, again, it's it goes back to like Stanford, like many schools, of course. But it just it's like a life decision. And the fact that I know who he is, and I mean, I don't know if he knows who I am, but like, yeah, obviously, I've heard about him and his his career at Stanford and um I mean I think it's awesome that he's been able to kind of go back yeah he's 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 doing well he's he has a he's a girl daddy so he's he's into it right now love it um uh, okay so I'm, I'm sure you know and heard of this uh this girl she's pretty good you know she does all right uh Sabrina Lanescu who played at Oregon um what is it like for WNBA players? So veteran players already in the league and has been they've been grinding and putting in this work, and then you have uh, the female Kobe Bryant or female Michael Jordan, who uh, thousand points, assists, rebound, which is a huge deal. What kind of what kind of talk is going on in the league when you you hear about this player who's about to come in and uh, so called take over? You know, I think it kind of depends on the personalities and the, and the, I don't know, the vibe of the team. And because I can say for, I mean, I was only on one, one in one franchise for my whole career, but I can say, you know, for me personally, I would say, bring her in, please. Like we want to win a championship. And if there's, if there are players that want to win a championship, don't you want the best on your team? Like the best players? And um, I could, of course, of course, I could see players being like, oh, you know, like this isn't her team. This is my team, like that type of thing. Um, yeah. But you would hope that if they're really trying to win a championship, they would welcome her with open arms and bring her along to kind of, you know, show her the way. And it, it is a big adjustment. Um, on the court and off the court. That's one thing I think that's not talked about. I think a lot of people talk about um, the on the court stuff, about how the game's faster and, you know, the, the players are bigger, et cetera, et cetera, more skilled. Yeah. A lot of stuff off the court too. I mean, you are literally, you're a professional now. You, you're in charge of staying in shape. You're in charge of, you know, eating the right things, doing, making certain meetings, going to appointments um, that they have set up. It's like, there's so many things where that was like, you were kind of like coddled in college, like, oh, you know, you need to be here and you need like that sort of thing. But 
it's like you're on your own almost <laughs> you know yeah. professionally yeah. and um i mean i'm sure she will do just fine if and she seems very intelligent she seems like she's got you know a lot going on for her course and um, for her specifically, I think she's she's going to be very successful because she's very versatile. She's very well rounded, and if I'm if I'm her teammate, I'm, and I'm seeing the assists that she was given in college. I'm like, hello, come on over, give me the ball. I'm gonna get my points. You can get your assist. <laughs> you can shoot when you're open if you want, like that sort of thing. Do you think? Do you, what's your opinion? Do you think that? Um, so you talk about the NBA, the WNBA. Do you think that uh, the female uh, athletes, as far as coming to the WNBA, can make a quicker impact um, once they get to their team? Because you got to think, New York been traded away. They didn't went and traded away uh, one of their best players, right? Yeah, yeah. And got some more draft picks. Do you think they can make a bigger impact and a quicker impact? Um, I think in... I think if a player is in the right situation with, you know, a coach and teammates that have, um, like confidence and you know what I mean? Because I, I do feel like in the WNBA, especially because there's only 12 teams, there's only a certain amount of players per team. I mean, you look at, you look at a roster and, like I said, the most the league can have is 144. And that's probably not even right because a lot of teams don't even have the cap space to have 12 players. Wow. So you got like teams teams that have these vet players that are getting paid max and, you know, close to max. And it's like, they can only have 11 or, you know, so, I mean, you look at that and it's like, I mean, it's really tough to first make a squad tough to get invited to a training camp then make a squad <laughs> stay on a squad for a certain amount of years you know like have a actually have a career in the WNBA I mean it's very difficult I don't um, think people really understand like I don't the, either it's a business part they're like oh my god she's on the she's in the WNBA it's a lot of work no you might, no, see it, this it, year, it, might not see her next year right exactly and that's the thing that so many people complain about they're like we need to expand they need to have more teams and I mean I think at this point I think if they could they would <laughs> so you know obviously they can't right now but to answer your question I think it's I think it's a lot harder to make an impact as a rookie coming in um, I do think I do think it's you can if you're in the right situation because um, again some players fit better in other situations like I know people that have gotten cut from a team they went I know somebody that went undrafted got a got a training camp contract made the team but then got cut got picked up and was an all-star and MVP of the all-star game Erica Wheeler that was my that was Erica Wheeler, she was my teammate for like three years. Yep. Her story is nuts. Like it really is. And it's really inspiring. Um, and she, you know, she talks about it a lot, rightly so. Just how far she's come. I mean, she went from being cut to, you know, Indiana picked her up. She ended up fitting perfectly. She fit the need that we that we needed. And, you know, she's made a name for herself. She was in the All-Star game, MVP. But it's just... 
out perseverance, perseverance, perseverance. These kids out there don't understand that, yes, you are going to come up, hit a wall, and then boom. Yeah. Listen, yes. grab a sledgehammer and knock the wall down. Or, you know, actually, if you took about five steps back, went to the right, you, it's you, it's a door, right? You yeah. walk through the door. A lot of times they tend to forget that. There will yeah. be obstacles, people. Yeah, and, and that's that's part of the reason why some some players want to get traded or want to leave because you know they know it might not be the best fit for them. They want to go somewhere else where maybe you know there's a need for them or they'll have a better opportunity. We've had multiple players come to our team and become all stars and leave our team and go to that team and become an all star. So it's like it it really is about the fit and the style of play and there's so many factors. Yeah. For sure. Um, so what, what do you say to some kids who have these huge dreams, but the thoughts of failure seem to creep in because they're like, that's just too big, you know? Mm-hmm. What do you what do you say to them? Um, one thing that immediately comes to mind is um, like set goals. Like it doesn't need to be the final goal that you are striving for. Set small goals, set you know, for example, if I'm, I, I mentioned that I wasn't always a, a shooter. I got in the gym, I put in the work. So, you know, at the beginning, my goal was to make a hundred threes. I, once that became easy, I kind of worked up from there, 500. And then I went to percentage and then, you know what I mean? Like if you yeah. set small goals for yourself, um, and then another thing that I talked about, like, don't be afraid to reach out for help for anything doesn't need to be like like I mentioned you know I reached out to our sports psychologist and um, he helped me a lot but I've also reached out to different trainers like to help me with basketball you know in school I reached out to people to help me academically just kind of so that I never felt like I would be behind things like that I mean there's so many I feel like there's so many people that want to help that it's like silly to not ask so yeah yeah so now that you're, because you're done playing now, so uh, what do you got going on? What do you, what do you want to do? Have you taken some time to think about where you want to go now? Or, you know, I know you probably, you guys are probably trying to get back to California. And if he's listening in the background, listen, he wants to come back. <laughs> I wish he was, actually. I think he went upstairs, but I think he, he knows, he knows. I, I tell him probably like once a week. But um, I mean, for now, I'm really, he's doing really well uh, overseas and I'm supporting him for the time being. That's one thing. He was, he was always so supportive of me um, throughout my career and just was there with anything I needed. And, um, you know, basketball is not forever. That's one thing. I mean, I learned obviously right away and he's going to have to stop playing at some point. So for the time being, um, going to support him and I currently am running basketball clinics in Japan. So, um, which has been really cool. Yeah, it's been cool. I've done every age from like 10 to high school. So it's been cool to, um, bring some American flair style over there to Japan. Cause I do, I feel like there, there's a big need for basketball training over there. So yeah, it's been well, good. That's awesome. And I, I think how many, how many times a year do you go and do it? Is it during the summer uh, months or? When no, this is during, so his season is October to uh, May on a normal 
season and right. it's, it's during those those months basically um and it's it's unfortunate because i had i had maybe like four or five more scheduled before all of the the covid 19 stuff happened and um of course we had to cancel those but it's i'm hoping that i can continue to kind of do that next season if you know wherever we are i'm sure i think we'll be in japan but who knows if there's a season so well so you ever think about coaching yeah actually i have i've thought about coaching um more recently lately i don't know why but i just i'm like i kind of feel like that could be something that i would be um a good fit for and uh i don't know we'll see i would like to coach collegiately um but you know who knows we'll see and then of course like we I talked know a couple about- people <laughs> I'm done with you, cut. Uh, no, I I mean, honestly, though, like, I'm I'm having these connections, like, you know, even you guys, it's awesome that that's my thing. I just want to continue to kind of keep these relationships and connections because you never know. I mean, that's what I always tell people. I'm like, somebody could be the coach at, you know, Stanford right now. They could end up being a coach somewhere else and they could get you a job. Like, it's, you know, you got to kind of, Keep those relationships and don't burn any bridges. Never burn, never ever burn bridges because you never know. You might don't do it. exactly about building those relationships. I always say, if you never ask, then they can't tell you no. That's true too. I ask all the time for stuff that is outlandish. So, um, <laughs> well, cool. I, listen, I really appreciate you being on, on the show. It, it's really been a, a blast and really been fun. Um, one thing we typically ask uh, some of our guests before they leave is, based off of you being on the show, right? Hopefully you had a good time. I, you know, I think it was fun. Um, do you have somebody that you would recommend to us? Like, hey, go on High School Narrative. I think, you know, you might have a good time. Talk and oh, talk. Uh, does it have to be an athlete or? No. It could, no. It, no, it doesn't have to be an athlete at all. From Orange County? Uh, Australia, Japan, uh, <laughs> they have an interpreter. Uh, <laughs> no, we just we, we just like to find people who are looking to uh, tell stories and be inspirational to, to kids, um, whether it's an athlete or a, a doctor. Um, we're working with um, a company called 417 uh, Recovery. Um, they help uh, with kids who might be going through addiction or you know, anxiety and depression and bullying and, you know, all those type of things. So um, we're across the spectrum. Um, I don't know. And I, it's so funny because I've been talking about it so much uh, that I've, I'm watching 13 Reasons Why. I don't know if you've seen that. Mm, on. I've seen the first season. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All that is a lot. why we're, that's why we're here, right? For yeah. stuff like that. So yeah. um, that's why we wanted you on the show to help inspire, you know, young girls and kids. Well, I hope I, hope I did. I hope some someone. <laughs> I think you did. I think you did. So I, I really appreciate that. So, I mean, you don't have to give me, you don't have to get that to me. I'll have to, I was going to say, I'm going to have to think on that. Man, yeah. I'm like, I got to think about it. We would like somebody outside of California. To me, okay. <laughs> well, that definitely opens things up. And I think it's, we, it's Zoom. <laughs> first of all, our, our platform can go anywhere. 
I think what we're trying to get is a, you know, you talked about the young lady with, who wasn't drafted, you go through that process. We're looking for people who are, have a message that want to get their message out and say, hey, you know, um, it's, you know, we're locked down with COVID-19. I will, I'll be honest with you. It's been a really traumatic thing for every single person I know. And it's, everything happens to everybody. It's basically how you respond to it. Unbelievable high school athlete. You go to the college that you want. You got hurt as a pro. You didn't get down. I'm coming back. I, 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 I got better. I had a, a lot of things happen to me. I lost my dad. I got hurt. I hurt my Achilles. But the ability to continue to rebound or believe in yourself with your support system is the message that we're trying to get out to not only kids, but their parents and their grandparents. It's Everything happens to everybody. It's how you respond to it. Absolutely. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. So, um, so thank you, Jeanette, for being on the show. We really, really yeah. appreciate it. You know, if you, if you ever want to come back to the show, uh, please reach out. If you, if you want to bring your husband on the show, please reach out. And what we're going to, I ask is that you guys have this uh, podcast um, and you guys are out on the basketball court and then we're going to see who the shooter <laughs> is in the family uh, and, I, and i'll challenge you to a game of horse from uh, virtually you know what i'm saying if you whenever you're ready so yeah that'd be fun yeah, yeah. It'll, be, it'll be fun yeah probably like three o'clock in the morning that's i don't know what time that is <laughs> your time where you'll be sleeping and i'll be able to <laughs> so uh thank you Jeanette. uh listen thank you for taking some time out of your day to listen to my annoying voice please uh join me next time where we're going to be talking to some very uh informative people uh, my weekly podcast will be covering any and everything from adolescence to high school education, high school sports and athletes. I will interview some educators, athletic directors, and maybe even a few celebrities from time to time, like the one we have on the call today. Uh, my hope is to share my passion for education, high school extracurricular activities, and higher learning. We will cover topics that will further our educators, build our community around education and higher learning. Find me on social media anywhere, um, on Twitter, at mo underscore or that's with two r's or on instagram at mo dhs narrative and make sure to subscribe and comment on any podcast app i will leave you with this take the time to do something nice for someone in turn someone will do something nice for you stay motivated pun intended and remember when adversity comes look it straight in the eye and say i'm strong i'm loved and i will overcome you i gotta go for Tony and Jeanette, I'm Mo. You have been watching and listening to Talk to Talk with Mo Orr. Until next time, I'm out. Looking for that high protein pack snack to get you back on track? The next stop, the Jerky Zone. Hey, Kenny Nash here, owner of the Jerky Zone. Looking to make 50% profit back on your dollars? Contact us today at thejerkyzone.com. Tired of selling chocolates and wrapping paper out of catalogs? Give the Jerky Zone a try. Looking for that high protein pack snack to get you back on track? The next stop, the Jerky Zone.